welcome to Using Your Egg Noggin, a holiday podcast for edgy teens and confused college grads and recent college students on what it means to be using our mind for the various aspects of life that we may take for granted yet we feel so deeply about. My name is Saran, and today, along with Ashwin, we'll be talking a bit about free will. We'll discuss whether or not the events in our life are really dictated by ourselves and whether or not we have agency to control our actions and really be the main characters. Well, I guess my my 2021 vision is kind of my basis of the question today. Sure. And so part of it was like realizing like, holy crap, nothing that you might have set a resolution to in 2020 probably worked out the way it did. Unless your goal was to like be sad at home and like watch a bunch of movies or like, I don't know, get really good at Zoom calls if you knew what those were even. And so I think like part of it is, is there even a point like to make kind of goals at that point for yourself? And I think it goes back to this discussion of does free will even exist? Um, And, you know, I think 2020 was kind of one of those things where I'm like, it feels so pointless sometimes to stand up against the tide that feels like it's just going to keep crashing down on you. And I don't know if that's made me more cynical or just like, like, I don't think it's harmful to set up intentions or set up like some sort of thing that you personally think is, uh, I guess, changeable in your lifestyle or your daily habits or routine. Like, I think a good intention is to, you know, wake up in the mornings and maybe like do some yoga, like maybe for some people like that's reasonable and like something they can do. And that's a good intention to set up. But I fundamentally don't think like a lot of the goals that people had, like going out to, you know, the gym or whatever, that might have been a regular goal. That's not something that really came up to fruition anyway. So I don't know. I'm like, what is the point of it all? Like maybe we can set some intentions this year, but I feel like 2021 was the year where I was just like, I'm not going to set a resolution. You mean 2020? That's the year where you weren't. Oh, sorry. This year, not going to set any resolution because last year. Because last year was absolute jack shit. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. And I think there's a lot to talk about here. (laughs) So first, I have some slightly unorthodox views on resolutions, goal building. Okay. Okay. The first thing is, um, I think it's hard to deny that 80% of your life is driven by your habits. Mm -hmm. People like to think that um, sometimes, I don't know about, some people like to think that they're like jumps, like jumps that they make in their life. And those are the really important parts. That's true. Like when you graduate, when you get a new job, those are important events, right? But it's only a slight uh, amount of time before and after those events where it really like resonates in your mind things are happening by and large it. your time is driven by being in the mode of i'm a student sure. every sure. week doing work or i'm right. uh an entrepreneur i need to like build my business okay long-term growth patterns like that okay so of course your habits are very important and then then you might think okay how do i build good systems right and yeah. i think the first point is don't worry too much about your system. The, the first point is just try to do something. So for example, let's say you're really bad at knowing what tasks you need to get done. This, this used to be me. Mm-hmm. 
So you could spend all this time researching which to-do list app you're going to use or what yeah. journal you're going to use. You can do that. And um, it's possible that you might find the right you know, version for you on the first try. The chances are slim though. Mm-hmm. The first thing you should do is first, like acknowledge that you, you know what the problem is. That's actually very important. <laughs> and it's worth, it's worth patting yourself on the back just to know like, oh, here's a problem. Uh, that's, it's kind of a non-trivial thing. Okay. And then the second would be like, what's the simplest thing that just kind of makes sense? And if that's taking out a piece of paper and just writing your tasks by hand, then do that. Like, don't overthink it, just try something. And once you try that for like a week, it's not very hard. It's not really asking a lot. Just try doing this for a week. Then yeah. you'll know what about it appeals to you, what works and what doesn't. And then you go mm-hmm. from there. So I think habit foundation is like a, um, what would an analogy be? Oh, an analogy that I, this might muddy things a little more, but maybe it might clear <laughs> things. Okay. Imagine you need a, you something's broken in your home and you need to buy a tool set, right? Okay. So, you know, you need some screwdrivers or something, right? Are right. you going to buy the like $1,000 screwdriver? I don't know if the $1,000 screwdrivers exist. So suppose like, you know, the $1,000 thing that like the professional uses, right? Yeah. Or are you just going to get the one at like Home Depot? Right. You just got the one at Home Depot because that's what you need, right? right? If the problem gets worse, then you'll buy a more, a slightly more expensive version, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. It's, it is slightly redundant. Now you have two screwdrivers, but at least you're always using the the right level of tool for the job. Yeah. So similar ideas here, like say you want to get fit, right? That's some goal that you have. Um, start, start small, like just make it a habit by going to the gym. I don't know, whatever you feel like is a reasonable amount of time to go. And then at some point you'll decide, oh, okay, now I need to start thinking about how to make this more difficult, how to set more goals. So my overall philosophy that I'm trying to get at is don't reach too far. Like you mm. said, scaffold up. Yeah, scaffold up. Like you basically don't get to make any discontinuous changes in your life. You can't go from being whatever weight you are to automatically being plus five or minus five pounds. Everything comes in smooth transitions. Absolutely. The easier you make it for yourself to just kind of naturally flow into those states, the better. So I think it's, it's, it's worth setting goals. It's worth doing these things. You just have to be cognizant of how to set the, has set it up to work because if mm-hmm. it fails, then it's all too easy for you to feel like that's somehow a, a reflection of failure as a, as a self or as a being, but it's more just a failure of your ability to understand your own psychology. How these things work. Gotcha. Okay. So I guess like taking, our own perspective on like our own achievements or like what we're capable of doing just psychologically. If we were to extend that to say like what humanity can or can't really do, like how much do you think a person actually has control versus like how much society has over control over them or external factors? Like we had COVID. I think that's a pretty, you know, significant, kind of factor and like I haven't really read too many free will philosophers I know a lot of it has to do with like moral judgment or choice but it felt like for a year where a lot of choices were so restricted 
that it was like a fundamental challenge to kind of a lot of those psychological norms we have even about choice. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe like, that's not to say that like, we didn't have to make a lot of choices. Like we totally did. Um, like choices that would result in like life or death, basically. Um, I think, uh, what, what book is it? Conrad in like Heart of Darkness calls it like the do or die. Um, and like, maybe I don't wanna spend a little time on Conrad cause I think like that's like a great, just not that I loved the Heart of Darkness but like he's a great writer and like the symbolism is like really significant there. Um, like I think for listeners maybe that the book is kind of about, you know, this group of like Belgian colonists who are there in the heart of the Congo and they're kind of trying to find this lost explorer guy. And um, sure enough, they find him by the time they get to him, he's kind of crazy and deranged and um, has been driven mad by the jungle and just kind of what the jungle symbolizes. Like that's the heart of darkness, but like it's supposedly a metaphor for actually humanity um, and kind of a lot of things that were going wrong in Europe at the time with imperialism and whatnot. But I think fundamentally it's also about kind of the human perspective and how we might have some control over our actions and like making decisions and whatnot. But at the core of these tendencies as just people um, you know, fight or flight, all that kind of stuff. And that will take over at some point. So it's not going to be one of those situations where you totally have free will, because at some point you're kind of pent up in these situations where you just act, like you are a scientific just being. And there are other points where people just say that like, whatever you have is uh, predestined, right? Like that's like a very Christian notion. Um, that just there is no free will God has determined it for you and so I think those are also interesting philosophies to look at like kind of what is like the innate human characteristic maybe that like controls us and it's like these impulses um, and also what is that you know aspect of divine or the aspect that is beyond us we don't even know that's controlling us but exists um, and as a non-spiritual like as a spiritual person who's not religious I don't really fully believe in the divine school of thought, but I do think that there may be some human tendencies or just things that aren't fully in our control sometimes. Um, I'm not saying it's an excuse and that I think that moralism is actually a really important like school of thought, but it did get me thinking a lot, especially during COVID. I was just like, wow, there is so much that doesn't feel like it's in our control. And so much of this just feels out of reach. So I think that's like why those thoughts came up again. Yeah, you have a way of speaking that triggers of like a million thoughts in my head. So, you know, make sure I have all of them. <laughs> I think that's why these work so well because <laughs> we need we need yeah. those conversations. First thing, I never actually read Heart of Darkness. It was in our in my senior year literature curriculum, but I got swapped out for another book. So to our listeners, I will. If you haven't read Heart of Darkness, then it's basically Apocalypse Now. The funny thing is, I haven't actually seen Apocalypse Now, so I'm only referring to one book <laughs> with a movie that I haven't watched either. Right, right, right. But yeah, the movie based on the Vietnam War that's based on the book, yeah. exactly. So the second part is that I wanted to talk about. I think it is actually useful to think about philosophy here. Some people, I don't know why I keep saying some people, I don't actually run into these people, but 
<laughs> there, there probably exists a viewpoint that would say, what's the point of bothering with philosophy? We all have things we need to do. Why not just get them yeah. done? But it's helpful to reflect a little because I think if you don't pick a philosophy or build one, then you're basically determined, you're running on some inherent philosophy that you just don't know. You can't articulate why it is that you make the decisions you do. So you're just being run by even more of those primal, primal, I don't know, motivations, let's say. Meaning if, if we don't think about what it would mean to have free will or to mm -hmm. what extent the choices are our own, then you're basically just running with whatever your monkey brain thinks, you know, is, is the right thing to do. Right. And however much you might think you're in control, you can always wonder, right? How much are you really in control? So it is worth thinking about these things. The nice benefit is that if you believe in rationality, like clear thinking, then you just need to set up, you just need to pick a couple of starting points, right? right. What are your axioms? What do you basically believe in? And a little bit of thinking will get you a long ways in, in terms of practical advice. So what do I think? I don't believe in free will. There's a lot of reasons why you might think that. Some are more scientific or neuro, kind of based in neuroscience. There are philosophical reasons you might also decide not to believe in it. Mm -hmm. But let's just say for the sake of argument that you you buy into these things. You don't believe sure. in free will. Right. So you made a good point, right? Which is, you know, in the time of COVID, you might have set up a lot of goals and right. it's very likely many of them would have fallen through the crack for one reason or another. Right. So let's suppose for a moment, instead of this weird transition where we had, where in February we were vaguely aware that it was a thing. And then in March we we're like, oh shit, it's yeah. actually a thing. And we like need to do something exactly. to, mm -hmm. you know, summer where it was unlike any other summer that <laughs> we've had before. Right. Imagine we just had two different scenarios. Okay. One in which the, the year went by normally and one in which the year from the start was kind of COVID lockdown. So if these <laughs> were the situations, then when you started the year, you would have kind of known the restrictions around you. Let's yeah. just say that, let's just say lockdown started January 1st. So that okay. when everyone was in lockdown, they've had a sense of what it would mean for them, what, what the year would look like for them. So even if you had a really lofty, you know, exercise plan or something, you would have just decided to scale it down to something that's reasonable at home, yeah. For, for what you could do at home. Yeah. I think what made this tricky was, like I said, this weird discontinuity. So that you might have set up plans at the start and then realized, oh, this is not gonna work the way that I thought. And so you would have had to on the fly decide how to change things. Right. So so the Stoic, Stoicism or Stoic philosophy says, just think about what's in your control, right? There are lots of environmental factors, but ignoring, you know, barring those, what can you do? So if you took that viewpoint, then it, it wouldn't really have mattered whether we were in lockdown or not. You would have had your goals. You would have understood to some extent how they would be restricted. You would have come up with a reasonable plan and um, executed that. So I, I think the difficulty was in the rough transition where nobody could really be faulted for starting to question the goals that they had set up. 
Mm. It's an unfortunate outcome of the way way things went. But I I left part of the discussion on why it might be why it's worth setting habits or um, why we shouldn't be fatalist. But I'll stop there because I've talked for a while, so I'll let you respond. No, I, I I'm really fascinated actually by the the point you brought you know before the fatalism, but I. I miss that we don't have Eugenia on this pod episode because she's a fatalist apparently. Uh, so it'd be interesting to take her take on that. But one of those things that you mentioned about the two kind of parallel, you know, scenarios, like if we had, you know, a very different kind of intention from the get-go, like what would that consequently mean for just shaping our actions? And I think like you're absolutely right. Like it comes down to like the environment, it comes down to multiple just I don't know like events that happen in someone's life that you know impacts choice right like for me like the reason why I think free will like just doesn't make a lot of sense I think at the end of the day right like even if I think there are not necessarily like the human kind of compulsion to do something um it is more like the way that the human brain just kind of processes things. It's the way that it has been able to kind of like, I think it, it, it's something where, um, gosh, I know there's like experiments on this, like psychologically speaking, but I'm also just not really familiar with psychology as a field, but like pain and like the reception to pain, um, I think is a really interesting um, experiment to like look into because it teaches us, you know, like when, when you like touch like a hot object, like you're not going to touch it again. Like it's just like, that is like an immediate human response. But for people who have like developed pain tolerance, right? Or for people who have like been bred to do that, like soldiers, um, I think like, I think there's the example of the Japanese fighter pilots who were like told from the get-go that you are going to die, right? Like this is part of your purpose for your country or whatever. Um, but there are just some things that our brain has just been wired to do because of like, I guess just society and also just because we're capable of like relearning and learning again and nothing is really set in stone for those reasons. I think it makes free will or just having kind of like a baseline seem really optimistic because I don't know, I feel like you're always going to have for lack of a better word, a bias maybe against like making a choice that you otherwise would um, in kind of like a a vacuum or something like that. But of course, nothing ever happens in a vacuum. Of course, your brain is always thinking constantly about what had happened or what will happen. And I think that impacts your choice in the now. Um, so it actually got me thinking a lot more about timelines too. And I think not to spin this in another direction per se, but I think I'm curious to hear what are your thoughts on just how much should we be giving, I guess, value to the future in a time where it seems like I wake up to the news and there's something else going on <laughs> about the way that this country is going or the way the world is working. Is it, even if you, you said like, you, like another point that you mentioned earlier about, you know, there is importance in kind of fulfillment right that we seek some sort of fulfillment 
in setting those intentions and setting those goals for ourselves. But at the same time, it's got me wondering, like, do we still have a need to kind of plan out the future at some extent? Uh, I think everyone at some extent, yes, but is it really as going to be as like worth it if there's so many crises in the world right now? Like, I don't want that to be the fatalist inside of me, but I think the fatalist would argue, what the hell is the point if we don't have a government tomorrow, you know, and we're enveloped in a war the next day? Yeah, that's a good point. Not to say that I agree with it. Like, I don't actually buy into that kind of thinking. Exactly. Maybe I'll have to explain why. The first thing is that the way that I roughly think about free will is, is like this. If we look at the kind of atomic scale, Mm -hmm. just kind of the way that things naturally work, things are the result of pretty much either randomness or what we could roughly just say cause and effect. Right. So... Like the atoms in your brain, they're, they're bumping into each other and all the things that happen are either it's just random or there's some physical law that pretty much tells you what will happen. Mm-hmm. So there doesn't seem any gap where some sort of consciousness gets to decide what happens. Right. Now, that being said, as like someone who studies computer science, it's very interesting how layers of abstraction can lead to like really interesting emergent complexity. Meaning even though the bottom layer of reality might just be like atoms bumping into each other and doing like right. random or um, quasi random things, the higher layer of like the fact that you have a brain that can think means that it can do some pretty cool things, right? Like you are constantly perceiving the world. That's like, there's so much sensory information that's just flooding your brain like every millisecond. Your brain filters out most of it, is tracking very specific things that it decides it needs to, you know, put its attention on. And Mm -hmm. then, like, you can perform all sorts of interesting cognitive acts um, on those things. Right. So, even though the, the, you know, the base layer is, like, pretty lame, that isn't, that doesn't preclude the ability for you to, like, recognize yourself as a thinking sentient being, right? So, okay, that's interesting. You, you have the ability to like process a lot of information. Okay. The really cool thing though, is that you have some sort of like introspection, right? Like you can, the, the cool thing about humans is that we understand to some extent the situation that we're in. Right. And that distinguishes us from animals who, who we typically think of not having free will in this way, right? So right. you imagine that like, there's, they, so let's say animals have some sort of weak form of consciousness where they're like generally aware that they're alive, but maybe they don't understand that they're going to die or they don't understand the time scale of the universe, maybe the same way that, you know, you or I do, but they're still conscious to some extent. Right. And yeah. it seems like in the timeline of human evolution is like an instant between us having that weak animal form of consciousness to growing into the abilities w- w- that we have now to be like, oh shit, is there any point of doing anything at all if like, you know, the government's going to collapse tomorrow? Like that's a very... It's a big jump. It's a big jump and in, in a little time, right? 
Okay. So I'm not I'm not surprised that it's it's very confusing for us to navigate this world because you know like a million wait, I don't know how old are humans? We're at least a million years old, right? Yeah. Okay. So uh, a million years ago our main goal was like, oh, let's kill that gazelle and eat it for dinner tonight, right? Like that was right. the main the main idea. And our consciousness was the extent to which we could like um chase that deer as a as a team. Right. And, and I think this is why philosophy is interesting because it's every generation has to figure out how it's going to live in a world that's slightly different from its previous generation. And, you know, given that I said that I don't believe in free will and a lot of other people don't, and yep. given this kind of general existential angst that's been going on since <laughs> the 1800s, yeah, we're inclined to just be like, yeah, why does anything matter? And the nihilism, yeah. Yeah. But it just seems like the, the wrong way of thinking about things. Like, we know that the world is going to blow up in, you know, the, the heat death of the universe. Does, does that make the things that we're doing today any less meaningful to, to ourselves? Yeah. No, only if you, like, have this lofty expectation that everything you do is going to, you know, outlast humanity. Yeah. That seems like a pretty, pretty <laughs> egotistical thing, right? Like the the Ozymandias poem, you know, look on my works and despair. Like, no, you're just going to make things like while you're here and you'll be gone. And at some point, no one will ever remember that you existed. But so what, right? Like, I like to think of it as you're along for the ride. Like while you're human, um, yes, the choices are in some sense already made, right? Like, there's nothing that you can there's nothing that you can do that isn't kind of already inherently part of how this is going to play out either because of randomness or some sort of uh, deterministic laws of physics right. but but it's not like anyone has a script written and mm-hmm. they're telling you what you're going to do right so for all practical intents and purposes, you do have some sort of free will. Like when you decide I'm going to eat chocolate or vanilla, there's some process in your brain where you're like coming up with some reason for it. Right. Right. And maybe to some extent you're lying to yourself when you like to tell yourself you made a a decision for one one reason or the other, but it still feels like there was the ability for you to have chosen otherwise, even if it doesn't make sense. Right. Like, just what, what, what does it feel like you're doing when you go about your day? It definitely feels like you're making choices. And yeah, you, you don't really, you know, figure out, oh, I'm going to go get a snack or yeah. I'm going to go get out of my bed. Those are right. still choices, exactly. And, and so if you're doing meaningful work, right, that's a choice. Let's say, let, let's say you wake up at five o'clock in the morning and you start doing work. Okay. In the free will mode, you would be like, oh, sorry, in the, I don't know what non-free will mode you'd say like oh this was like going to happen anyways right but no, nobody thinks like that right everyone thinks like i made a concerted effort to set myself up to to do this work mm. so um yeah i don't feel the need for like every single layer of this of this philosophical structure to like make perfect sense with each other there, there, there are ways in which at one level it might feel a different way than at, a, at another level so at the level that we're existing, mm-hmm. you do get to make some sense of a choice. Right. 
So it's still worth setting yourself up to setting goals for yourself, working towards things, even if the future is like totally out of your control, right? Like what else are you going to do? Like the alternative is you, you can sit around and wait for the world or other people to make decisions for you, or you can decide that, um, well, as the last two lines of one of my favorite poems goes, uh, you are the captain of your fate. You are the master of your soul. I am the captain of my fate. I am the master of my soul, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah, no, I love that. I think it's, um, one of the things I've been seeing a lot more these days because I think it's just kind of a trend and I don't really fully understand these, but one of them is that you are the main character of your own movie, of your own novel in some ways. Mm -hmm. And the reason I kind of hate that is just because I'm like, the main character, what novel? Like if it was like the novel of like my daily log, it's like brush my teeth, uh, you know, sat down, read a book, made a latte, went back to reading a book, watched some TV. Like it's just like every chapter is gonna be a daily log of nothingness. And then like sometimes a spark of drama that you'd want to change your page for in like an anthology of nothingness and just boredom, right? Yeah. But the vast majority of lives are probably something very similar or have a lot of similar patterns, right? Unless you like were from the get go, I don't know, an adventurer, just doing so many different things that are very unique in your life. Um, and that's not to say that people, like I'm not a determinist either. Like, I don't really believe that, you know, one, one I guess, action determines the rest that you're going to have. Like, I think that people are always capable of change. And I think, I think this goes into a different conversation, maybe about fate or destiny. But the reason I don't like the chapter main character format is just because I think it's like, we're reading it too much into ourselves. And like you said, you are the master of your own soul. I agree with that but nothing is ever not connected to other lives that you touch, right? Like, I think even when a lot of transcendentalists, right, were some of the people who were just like removing themselves from society and then realized that like even the land that they tried to like get on um, and claim as like their own nature transcendentalist location because indigenous lands that were owned by like people before them, right? And then like, those lands were taken over by American imperialists and then American imperialists use that land to be like, hey, if you're on this land, you gotta pay tax to fund a war. And that's just the way the world works. Like everything is still interconnected. Um, like my philosophy is that you can be the main character of your novel or whatever you wanna call it, but it's always gonna be part of the series or it's always gonna be part of a larger anthology, right? It's going to be interconnected. It's going to be interwoven because fundamentally you are going to, even if you don't pass on your family name or whatever, you're still going to interact with people. Um, like it does not have to be that your story is just a family story. Um, and I think it's one of those things where if everyone's the main character, what the hell is the point, right? It's not like the point of me saying that like, I don't think there's any value in like living your daily life. I think everyone just has to do it because it's what we got, right? It's like you said, we're along for the ride. I think I'm definitely in the same philosophy as that. 
And I think we are masters of our own souls. But I think our souls are bigger than ourselves. Um, not saying that I fully believe in reincarnation, but I just recently watched the Disney Pixar movie Soul, which was a very interesting film to watch because it, it talks a lot about these um, kind of philosophical concepts and like, you know, the way a Disney movie does in like a childhood format. And basically, spoiler alert, the premise of the movie is about a musician who's about to kind of make his big break. Like this day, this one day, he's got the gig he wants for his life to change. And he dies seconds before he gets to his concert hall. Um, he falls into a manhole. And it's one of those situations where he doesn't realize he's dead. And his like soul is like on its way to like the unknown. And it finds a way instead to wind up with a bunch of new souls. Souls that have yet to go to earth. Um, and the whole movie is based on this premise of one of the souls that has consistently never been to earth because she just really doesn't want to go to a place that looks so bleak and miserable and awful. So you can think of her school of thought as like the nihilist, the, the fatalist inside of me, right? Just like, why bother? I'm just going to be here. And it, it, it's like a perpetual nothingness, basically, um, this kind of in-between of the universe where they're at. But somehow this musician guy gets her to go to her accidentally at first, but then she falls in love with her and just like the small things, right? And so I think my end philosophy is not that we're going to get that main character story, page turning, happy ending. The vast majority of us, like you said, are going to be no remembrance. The couple of us that make history are gonna make it for bad and good reasons. And usually a mix, right? Like you can make history pages for doing something great, but people will find ways to find the awful parts about your life. But the thing that will be most important for you is just those little things you did that gave you a lot of fulfillment. Like, I think we should strive towards what is fulfilling for us because at the end of the day, Nothing we do is going to amount to that heroism. I just think we need to fundamentally get rid of it. Like, it is a bullshit idea that you are going to be some hero in the world. Unless, I don't know, you have had a lot of luck. And frankly, this year at least told me, yeah, that's out the window for most of us. And I think that's okay. I just think we need to accept it, right? Like, don't be the main character you've read about or you've watched a movie about. Like, be yourself because that is all you're going to get at the end of this. And maybe somewhere along the line, you have an exciting page turning journey and maybe that's going to be a fun part. But I bet you it's going to be a very small part of your life because nothing in those two hour movies, right, is going to be as just quaint as life normally is. It's those simple pleasures you think about, right? Waking up early in the morning, watch the sun sunrise, right? Making a nice cup of coffee, like a fresh book that has nice pages. Like those are all little things that give me a lot of joy. But I think like what I will remember most about life is not those big momentous changes. I think you were saying this earlier too, like when we 
we have a mindset to just drive ourselves as like people like I am a student I am a you know this I have to do this right now I'm an entrepreneur this is my business rarely ever just could be like I'm a person and I love this like this is like what I just love to do like I just love waking up and like this is what I want to do during my day because it makes me feel good um and I think like that becomes more complicated when you think of like society and vices and all of that stuff too but fundamentally I think I think John Lennon was the person who was like every day like in kindergarten whenever like his teachers asked him like what do you want to be when you grow up and like they asked his friends that or you know his classmates and they were doctor engineer lawyer whatever he's like I want to be happy and they like laughed at him I think that is one of those things where it gets me thinking a lot about you know my own life what am I actually doing for fulfillment versus what am I doing just because I've been taught the some some way along the way I have to be a hero I have to do something greater than myself I have to be a bigger person um, rather than like I want to be a bigger person just because it is what I like doing and that's why I hate the main character narrative but yeah the good news is that you brought us to a question that's extremely easy to answer, which is, what is the purpose of life? Because I have all the answers, right? <laughs> Honestly, if you've even made it this far in this, I would be so impressed because this is the philosophy I've thought about. <laughs> now, you're, you bring up a lot of good points about ways of thinking about the pure of your own narrative concept that could go awry. I think the idea comes from Nietzsche, like um, oh, the... Uber, Uber Menstra, the Superman. Yeah. As in like someone who rises above the mediocrity of most people and, you know, accomplishes, you know, um, great things. I feel very unqualified because I haven't actually read anything about him yet. But I think this is the idea. I've read the Wikipedia. I think we're good. Yeah. So let's... Uh, as, as I said before on this podcast, my philosophy is like pragmatist, which roughly just means things are true to the extent that they are useful or would change the way that you act. Mm -hmm. Or like definitions are useful based on um, how they make sense in the real world. So, okay, you made some good points about um, how this hero narrative could go wrong, but what about it is useful that we can recover Maybe we wouldn't frame it as the hero narrative, but are there any aspects of it that we we find are useful? And yeah. when I think about that, I think of the idea that it's basically a call to take up agency. Right. Like, as we've been saying, you know, the environment puts a lot of restrictions on what we can and can't do. Right. Right. So all the changes we make are roughly smooth or continuous. Like things don't happen in jumps. Um, you could even, we could even think about how, as I was saying, at a certain level, at the level of the individual, you can feel like you have choices, right? But if we yeah. went up one level to a society, it could then again start to feel like, um, like people aren't making their own choices. Like, right. as if humans were atoms bumping into each other with some sort of predictable outcomes, right? So there's also a right. sense in which you're being driven by patterns that you're not even really aware of. Yes, yes, yes. You, these are all true. There's very little that you are <laughs> in control of. But I think that 
narr hero as a narrative concept is basically telling you, look, these things are all true, but there are two facts. One is that um, you get to set your own goals. Like fundamentally, no one can tell you um, like what, what to do. Right. Um, either you're basically like, I'm starting to think of all sorts of edge cases, but let's just say that, <laughs> let's just say that you get to choose what you do. Um, in a lot of cases you do in some yeah. you definitely are coerced or forced but yeah. yes um yeah you get to choose your own goals and the second is even though you have very limited control um mm -hmm. there are ways for you to impact the environment right like to reduce it down to the bare bones everything of importance that like some human did was like right. them moving their mouth or moving their hand or doing something like at the end, it had to come down to them, like making some choice in the real world. If you just sit around and think all day, then you're not really doing anything. Like you have to, you have to like act, but, but the good news is that you can act like, um, most humans will get the ability to like move their hands in some way that's useful. You could be like a programmer, then you're typing. You could be a, a writer then you're you know if you're you know you're writing you could be a painter you're moving your hands to paint you could be a runner you're moving your legs to run like yeah. you you have a physical body and you have a brain right. and these are the tools you're equipped with these are these are your sword and shield and your heroic quest to do whatever it is the fuck that you decide is worth your time yeah i think that's what the narrative is saying um it's not i mean maybe you someone could decide to emphasize this part but i wouldn't emphasize the part where like every minute of your life needs to be, you know, building some some uh, climax of of you conquered the the dragon on some mountain. Like even right. even small it's... things can be um, mm -hmm. adventures. Like yeah. one book that's on my reading list is um, Ulysses, right? Like the book by James Joyce, where uh, it's sort of a modeled after the the Odyssey, right? Where Odysseus is like literally a hero you know, in the Trojan War. Now his his quest is to go home. And along the way, he runs into monsters of all shapes and sizes, right? But the, Ulysses, this book, is like just about some guy like going to the pub in, in Dublin. But it's still, it's still a classic book, right? Because people will read it because there are little things in life. Like there are small adventures to be had. Mm. So it's not so I much that it. your life needs to be a grand quest that will that will make sense. Yeah. Very few lives will make sense um, like moving forward. Like they will only make sense in retrospect. At the end of their life, you could say, oh, here are the things that, that matter. Yeah. Like a lot of people get lucky, right? A lot of successful yeah. people get lucky. And it's only at the end of their life that they could tell you when those sparks of luck came. They, may not, right. they might not have spotted it um, while yeah. it was happening. Or they may not yeah. even have acknowledge that there was some luck right. so yeah I, we're all connected in a in this way mm -hmm. that, that makes it hard to say like we can all be the main characters in our own book right like in any given book there are lots of secondary characters that basically do nothing right yeah like um my favorite concept of this is um in zombie movies like the first guy to die like someone's has to be that <laughs> first guy right like like when the 
when the zombie outbreak comes, like someone's going to be the first person to die. One interesting trope that writers can use is like take a secondary character and then make them the main character, right? Like that's a thing you can do. So yeah, I would just look at it as a call to take up as much agency as you can. Like, got it. There's, there's some boundary that exists where it's like, this is the environment and it's not me. Right. Right. And, and there's some, and on one side of that line, there's like, Hey, I could do that. Right. Like, um, let's say your goal is to write a book this year. If, and you decide today, I'm going to write a paragraph, right? Let's, let's say you have a literal piece of paper and pencil in front of you, but you decide, like, but at the end of the day, you didn't write the paragraph, right? Is that really on the environment or is that just you being a, <laughs> like all the things were in place. Like all you had to do was command your hand to move and like come up with some words. That's you. That's not the environment, right? Right. On the other hand, like, oh my gosh, let's say, let's say you wrote a script for a movie and you're like sending it out to these executives and they all reject it. Is that you're the environment? That's definitely the environment, right? Like you don't, you don't get to, unless you literally take a gun to their head and say like, make us a movie, it's not going to happen. So just accept like people are going to say no. So they're clear cut, you know, there's the line. Uh, the heroes and narrative thing is just like, you get to, at the very least, you as a protagonist of your story have some sort of desire some sort of goal you can set and some basic set of actions you have and some tools maybe at your disposal. Yeah. So like acknowledge those and go on your quest. Go on your quest. There you have it. <laughs> All right, Ashwin. I guess final thoughts, wrap up question. Anything spark your, spark your synapses? I feel like you're always thinking. Yeah. Um, one just like totally tangential thought. I was I was reading this book called um, The Grasshopper. Mm-hmm. And the, the book is just trying to grapple with uh, how to define what a game is, right? Like okay. we chess, we've got video games, we've got marathons. These I also are- lost the game for anyone who's playing the game, <laughs> just so you know. And, and the question is like, what connects all these things together, right? And uh, mm. the, the, the rough definition the, the guy comes up with is um, playing a game is the voluntary attempt to overcome unnecessary obstacles. Um, voluntary because you decide to play games. Like okay. You're forced to play a game that's not really a game. Um, I'm literally thinking of the Hunger Games, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not really a game. Um, attempt to overcome, that's like the fact that you have agency in games, right? Like you, you, get the, you have the feeling that there are choices you can make. Sure. Unnecessary in that whenever you play a game, um, the rules are basically the boundaries that you're playing within, right? The, the rules are making it harder than it needs to be for you to, to, to um, accomplish the goal. And right. you know, the obstacles are also part of the rules. So in some way, life is also kind of formatted against this, this like voluntary attempts to overcome unnecessary obstacles. And maybe, maybe that's a better way of thinking it. Instead of, instead of thinking, I'm the hero of a narrative, it could be, this is the game that I'm playing. Because who doesn't like games, right? There's, there's some game that you like to play. So your life is just another game. I think I love that analogy outside of the fact that when I think of like my life as a game, 
the immediate tangential thought is like, oh, my life is like my life is a joke. Like it, it's not, it's not real, you know. So what's the point? Um, but again, I don't want to be a fatalist in that regard. I think a game is a good analogy, except I think the one part of the game aspect that I would question is what is winning the game then? Oh, that's like I'm saying. That's like the existentialist point is you get to pick the the goal. Hmm. So a game with your own conclusion, a game yeah. that you've already won, basically. I mean, you haven't already won it. Like the you set the goal, that doesn't mean you're going to win it. Hmm. But can't you just continually adjust it until yeah, you, you win? Can... Okay. <laughs> uh, okay. So there's a meta game, right? Which is like, you get to switch the goals at any given point. Right. So yes, you're right. If you're if you want to be extremely stupid, you could just be like set the goal slightly ahead of where you are and then you reach the goal and you're like, oh, hey, I won the game. But it's like, <laughs> that's totally missing the point. Like, you should be picking the, picking the goals so that they're, there we go. they're continually more challenging. All right. So picking challenging goals and then letting that be your game. I like it. Yeah. I think it's a good place to end. Yeah. Uh, and essentially, if you did make it this far, I think, you know, don't worry too much about free will. Play the game. Let the, you know, ride come along. I think that's as much as you can do with your own agency and set up some intentional goals, right? Missing anything, Ashwin? No, that's all. There you go. That's the answer to life. <laughs> <laughs>